Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back in to the Tri-Weekly Flyers podcast, Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Prognosticators podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, the podcast that some some rando on Twitter called us bums for not recording for a few weeks, but that's how much this guy loves the show. He trolls, calls us bums, and here we are. We're back with a new episode. We're going to talk about Zach McEwen for 30 minutes on today's podcast. I don't mean that. Uh, the Flyers, a lot going on. Uh, and we have another team in town that we're going to touch on a little bit later. A very interesting thing that came up before we recorded the show. Make sure you stick around for that because that's also relevant to what's going on in Philadelphia as of late. But before we get into the show, let me introduce first a man who went up north of the border, conquered yet again, and walked away from yet another ice war. And that, of course, is Chris Terrian. Follow him on Twitter at CTerrian6. How are you doing, you delightful beaut Yeah. Great to see my two partners in crime. You know what, guys? What a week I just wrapped up. I finally got back into the uh, to the area. But last Wednesday, I had to do a keynote speech on uh, to the CARE program for the University of Saint, uh, Saint Joe's University for their addiction uh, program that they do an amazing job with. Uh, then I left with the hockey jerseys. Forty-five of those jerseys going to Canada. I'm not going to tell anybody that I snuck them across the border, but maybe I did. So I drove up to Ottawa. Uh, to catch a flight to Edmonton to avoid the Toronto airport because our other counterpart on uh, Spit and Chicklets had warned everybody to beware at Ryan Whitney. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to stay out of the Toronto airport. I'm going to drive up, see my folks and family and friends for a few hours, fly to Edmonton, uh, really get in the day before, do Ice Wars, which was a full two-day event, uh, uh, fly back to Edmonton, drive back from Ottawa uh, to Philadelphia, and then I had to do a speech yesterday at uh, at a high school, uh, Cocalico High School in Lancaster, and that wrapped up my whirlwind five or six day event. And I'm just thrilled to be here with you guys today to have some calm here for 30 minutes and enjoy ourselves. That's, good to see you guys. That's good to hear. And of course, the other man looking looking dapper down there, uh, Mr. Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Aunt San Philly. How are you? You're glowing. Is this because the Phillies are good? How are you? Are you saying that I'm looking dapper because I shaved my head? I, that, that has a little bit to do with it. I think you've embraced it, and it looks good. It's a good look on you. Well, of course, when you're a balding individual, right? It, it's it, there's really I know I don't have the, the Bundy quaff, right? I don't have that, right? But if you're a balding individual, there is nothing worse, right? And I and I, it's hysterical. Like I've been doing some a lot of Phillies coverage lately. And in the press box there, there's a photo um, on the wall that was that's there from when they introduced, if you remember, they had the five starters, five aces, uh, when it was Halliday and Lee and, and Hamels and Oswalt and Joe Blanton. And I, was, I actually was covering that press conference for the Daily Times, Delaware County at the time. And so that was 2011. And so that's 11 years ago. And there I am sitting in the front row in that photograph with a giant bald spot. Now, if 11 years ago I have a giant bald spot in a photograph, what the hell does it look like now when my hair grows in? So I thought, I was like, you know what, the hell with it. Just take it all off. It'll look a hell of a lot better that way. And that's why, that's what, so that's what I did. So that's why I got rid of it. But Anthony, Russ, you, you forgot you know to also... Yeah. Go ahead, Bundy. Rick Talkin, 
Rick Tockett did that, Anthony. Remember he had that gorgeous yes. flow there, everybody in the 80s? Yep. And finally started to tap out in the 90s, and he had no choice but to shave that thing. But Brian Bellows, I remember like in warm-up one day, Brian Bellows had like a rug on or something. <laughs> he was really particular about his hair. And I yeah. think he finally got like one of those new-age formulas. And I remember he was standing in warm-up one day. And I've never seen a guy get fucking buried like this in my life. Like he was standing there and they're like, you know, like, what do you got? A, what do you got? A dead hat on your head, belt? Like everything, right? Like he had, he had this, I don't know, it was a rug. He had a toupee. And like, he was proud of this, this puppy. And, uh, and it came flying off. It did it come flying off? It didn't flop, but I mean, it was like, it was like perfect, man. I remember looking at it. I was like, holy Jesus, look at that thing. And then, uh, you can't wear that. <laughs> Kind of, kind of Kerry Fraser-ish? Oh, Kerry's was real. This thing was like flat out. Somebody carved it off the back carpet. You walk into your house and slap it on the top of his head. I mean, it was it was just hilarious. And then he went into like the other guys have gone in. There's there's NHL guys that have problems with their hair. Phallic, like Hexy. Ronnie Hextock couldn't stand. He was got that little, he had like the monk when he was like 30. And, and you know, instead yeah. of going with that's yeah. what happened with talk, yeah. he just shaved it right off. You know, sometimes it's better. It's a better option, and it looks good on you. I mean, what do you want? Are you, do you want to walk around with a rug on your head and everybody talk about you? Especially if it's a bad one, right? Well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, as like uh, as somebody who hasn't had to have the uh, follically uh, challenged moments that maybe uh, Anthony has had to have, I will say I've gone back and looked at pictures because I've got a five head. I've always had a five head. And, like, I occasionally will get a little bit um, self-conscious, and I'll go back and look at pictures from five or ten years ago. And I'm, like, kind of, like, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, has it receded at all? It hasn't. So it's always been like this. So I feel okay. Um, good hair runs in my family. So hopefully uh, I won't have to sit here in about 50 years when I'm Anthony's age and, uh, you know, decide if I'm going to shave my head or not. So, um, and, and, uh, you know, one other thing you forgot, Russ. It looks good, Anthony. Thanks, Bundy. One other thing you forgot to mention, Russ, was the whole thing that we did on Twitter when I was out in Pittsburgh, where I'm standing oh in line. God. It's been because it's been weeks. Remember this, it's like only, this, this rando on Twitter ago. who's been trolling us for a while about not putting it's a podcast out has just like has captured my attention. You're right. So Anthony goes out to PNC Park. He's watching that dead sport called baseball. Uh, I just triggered like ten people listening to the show, um, and and Anthony texts and he, he's just like. Well, uh, he's like, you wouldn't believe what just happened. Uh, a, guy, a guy just came up to me, and he, he said, uh, hey, I love Snow the goalie. I'm like, no, you didn't. I figured this is like one of those times that Anthony embellishes. And I'm like, tweet it. Because I don't think that Anthony <laughs> has the balls to go out and put like a fake story out on Twitter. Like he holds his Twitter as like some kind of, you know, sanctimonious you know, place. You, you, can't, you cannot tell a lie there. And so he does. He tweets about it. And then the guy responds. Now, can I guarantee that this isn't like an Anthony Sanfilippo burner that he occasionally, uh, you know, engages with? I don't know. Would I put it beyond Anthony to have like a network of burner accounts to interact with? No, I wouldn't. But I'm pretty sure this guy is real. So, Anthony, why don't you tell the story about what happened? Uh, you know, you're out to see a baseball game with your yeah. sons. Yeah, and I took my dad. I took my dad and, and my sons out to Pittsburgh for like a, you know, a weekend baseball weekend. Uh, we had been planning to do it for several years and you know the pandemic got in the way and um they had never been to pnc park and funny i know you've been there it's literally top two or three baseball stadiums in in america i mean really it's it's that awesome um and so i i really wanted them to experience it and uh it, my um uh, my son andrew collects 
um, something from each team whenever he goes to a different stadium. So he wanted to go get something Pittsburgh-y um, for the Pirates. So we're standing in line um, in the team store, and a guy just comes walking over and says, Anthony Sanfilippo? And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, like who, who knows me here now? And uh, I'm like, yeah? He goes, man, just want to let you know, love Snow the Goalie. I love the, I love the podcast, man. It's the best podcast out there. I'm like, hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. He's like, no, I just want to come over and tell you, really, really love your work, really love Crossing Broad. And I'm like, hey, thanks a lot. And like, you know, we do this whole little exchange. And as he's walking away, the, the girl that he's with, the woman that he's with, whether, I don't know if they're married, if girlfriend, whatever, but the woman looks, looks back and looks over at me and she goes, I don't listen to you at all, but it's nice to meet you as well. And I said, well, thanks. And she goes, but all I know is you get him fired up every time you have a new episode come out. So just wanted to let you know that. I'm like, well, thanks. I, pre- I appreciate it. So I was totally not expecting this whole thing to happen. Uh, and there we were in the middle of uh, PNC Park uh, on a Friday night and <laughs> just had this happen in the team store out in Pittsburgh. So, so yeah, so now the goalie's a little bit of everywhere. We're, we're a little you everywhere. Know, and, it's, and, and it's kind of funny, too, because I was, I was happy when you sent that. Yeah. And I think it's fun that people would like to uh, come up to you in, in person and, and address you. Um, it is. I, I have to be honest, though. If if the first reaction had been Anthony Sanfilippo, I would have just expected that it was like somebody from Delco. That there's just like I know Delco, as I've said multiple times before. Delco is the Schuylkill County of Southeast PA. They're everywhere. Uh, nothing would shock me. Like if that had just been somebody who like went to what is it, St. Joe's Prep? That's the one that you like. Like if if they had gone there, or it's like somebody who was you know dragging a cigarette outside of a Wawa. And you, like, gave them a light, you know, 13 years ago. Like, wouldn't have surprised me. Uh, it is nice to know, though, that uh, Snow the Goalie fans are ever. I told you guys, a few weeks back, maybe a month ago, uh, people were delivering an appliance to my in-laws. Guy's wearing a Flyers hat. Mother-in-law says, oh, you know, Flyers fan. He goes, yeah. She goes, you listen to any podcast? And he goes, yeah, uh, Snow the Goalie. And she's like, oh, my God. So I, I don't know. I mean, listen, when you, when you do a show and you get numbers back, uh, on downloads and unique listeners and all that, and you see the numbers go kaboom, and they're, you know, they, they continue to grow, you go, all right, I mean, how much of that's real? I know for a fact there are a few different platforms that are notorious for inflating numbers. We're not on one of those, which is kind of nice. But, like, uh, when you actually start to see it, when you start to run into people and you start finding out that, like, there are more and more people listening, especially while the team hasn't been good, it's a nice little feeling. Bundy, uh, how often do you get approached in public? I have to imagine that it's all the time. Um, do people feel comfortable coming up to a you know, big menacing human being such as yourself very often? <laughs> you know what? I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think one thing I've done, or at least the way I've, maybe I'm approachable, but I feel like people can come up to me and say hello, and, I'm, and I think that's great like, to be able to do that. You know, I, it always makes me more uncomfortable when like, somebody brings their kid up He's like, hey, I'd like you to take a picture. He's really nervous because I don't want anyone to feel like that. First of all, I mean, there's superstar athletes, and then there's his former athletes, right, that are normal people and stuff. Like Michael Jordan can't go out in public. Tiger Woods probably can't. Chris Terrian can go anywhere he wants. There's nobody holding me back where I'm going to get bothered in public. But certainly I think in Philadelphia regionally, uh, I get approached from, you know, certainly that, that group of fans that enjoyed that that legacy of hockey and, and the history of the team. So it's really cool. And, and and I always tell people, like, if you see me somewhere, you know, come say hi again. That's the way it should be anyway. So, you know, they're all, we're all sportsmen here. And uh, and I think Philadelphia for that, um, 
is really great like that. I think the fans, no matter what here, um, they appreciate their sports teams and they and they, they respect the players that played here in Philadelphia, and I think that's a really cool thing. I do. So, guys, um, there's not a ton to talk about here on the Flyers this week. Uh, there's not some kind of master plan uh, underway. Chuck Fletcher's not waiting until the last minute to make some kind of a, a trade splash. Um, development camp, you know, happened, uh, you know, began. World Juniors are going on. Um, from from your perspective, and I want to try to stay a little bit upbeat today. I don't want to I don't want to drone on about how awful Chuck Fletcher is at his job. That goes without saying. Um, it, where are you at right now? Not in terms of excitement, because I think it's still a little bit early to be excited about the start of a hockey season. But like, is there something that when you sit back and you look at the moves that have been done in the conference and even within the division, and you realize that like this team, just fundamentally probably a bottom three team in the Metro, bottom five, bottom six maybe in the East. Is there something about the team that has you excited? Is there a player who might be coming back from injury? Or is there a prospect that, you know, you've been hearing things about within the organization that you say, you know what, I'm excited to see this kid play and to see him maybe take the next step. Does that happen right now? Like, Ant, do, do you have... Do you have a, the warm and fuzzies for anything going around the, the team right now? No. Uh, what, I, what I do, what, what I am intrigued by is how do they respond to Tortorella? That's what I'm intrigued by. I, I, I want to see does, does his coaching style fit and play here? And do these guys buy into it? Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they don't have a choice. They have to. Otherwise, they're not going to. They're not going to have jobs, right? This, yeah. this, this, it's almost like if you, you know, with, with the exception of a few of their better players, I mean, guys who are kind of, you know, uh, towards the back end of the lineup or, or are fringe guys, like you're, you're not in the back end of a lineup or a fringe guy on a bad team just because. Like this is like, a, it's almost like it's, it's time to, you know, shit or get off the pot, man, really. I mean, that's what yeah. this becomes. And – and it's, I'm going to be curious to see how they buy into what, what, what John is, is selling. And um, so that, to me, is, is the thing that I'm most interested in seeing. Because I do, and I think Bundy said this before, I do think that if they do buy into it, they could actually get off to a decent start and, and, and be a little bit of a surprise early in the season. But I don't see how that sustains over the course of the year, uh, over the full course of the season. But I do think that there is a possibility that they get off to a quick start with Tortorella as a coach. That being said, I think it's just as much a possibility that they absolutely come out and are a total shit show again. You know, I, I don't know if there's a middle ground. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I, I think they, they, could, they could be really, really good and surprise people ag again for, you know, a month or two, or they could just be a disaster. And I think that that's kind of what we're waiting and seeing. Two, two things come to me right now, Anthony, just following up on that. Um, how many players will hold this together this year, right? That's the question. If, if so, if a couple injuries come and they're the key guys, do all the wheels come off right away? That'll be an interesting part to see how healthy they can stay because there are some veterans that might be able to glue this together a little bit in patchwork, and, and that'll be a challenge. The other thing I think with Torts, and, and listen, the biggest acquisition they made is John Tortorella. I, I don't care what anybody says. He's bigger than any player they got. He's bigger than anybody that's come in. What, I, what he's got to be careful of from where I'm watching things is that he doesn't go on a season-long 
um, turd flushing mission. If, if uh, you know, it, it, like where he's trying to flush out every single turd that he thinks is on this team and, and tries to fix it overnight, that's going to be a really, really wrong way of going. I think he has to know he's coming in with a little bit of a porta potty already. And it's not necessarily for him to go out and fix that. That's the general manager's job to do that. Uh, Torts was brought in to coach a team. But he takes things personally right over the course of time. And if he comes in and he realizes, man, these guys, I put my system in place and it's not working because I don't have enough good players, he's got to be very, very careful uh, of how he handles that. And that's been a, that's been a situation before where he does, he's not afraid to go after or tell anybody anything and, and I think he can be effective if he's careful with that. Because if he comes in here and he sees what he's got, I don't even know if he knows what he's got yet. I re- honestly, God, I want, you may watch tapes, but unless you've seen this up close and personal, I'm not really sure he's even going to have an understanding of what he's dealing with until he gets into it. I do think on fear alone and from where the guys, from the standpoint of the players, and I, and I uh, alluded this to having uh, that Hitchcock before, he comes in as just this big asshole uh, wants to shake up the trees everywhere. And sometimes trees don't need shaking. They just need to be redirected, right? Like the, the lineup needs to be redirected, not blowing up. But, you know, that's a Hitchcock guy, right? It's all about him. Uh, you know, he won the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, Dallas Stars were lucky to have him. Uh, and that's just the kind of – so you got to be careful with that and uh, the way it goes. But early in the season, I think they will have a uh, – it will reverberate through the lineup because I think guys are just going to be able to just play on – on sheer trying to make an impression on Torts, uh, to leave an impression on whoever's watching, uh, and to try to not get in his doghouse for the entire year. I just have a, I don't, there's not, there's no way it's going to be able to sustain itself because they just don't have the horses to do it. And I want to go through this really quick. Guys that we don't expect, as you as you shovel food into your mouth, how many times do we have to get a comment on a YouTube video saying the show would be fine if Ant weren't shoveling food in his mouth? Now listen, when it, when we're recording watermelon. and you're doing family dinner, it's water, with like, it's watermelon. Know, seven, with, with se- you're eating with a fork? Well, it's already cut, and I don't want to get what? my fingers all, all okay. dirty and sticky. Oh, no. Are you the kind of person that like buys the pre-cut watermelon? Like you won't buy the watermelon and slice it yourself? Is that, is that what this is? Yes and no. I do it both ways. Do we have to have an intervention here? I do it both ways. Um, but okay. in this case, in this case, it was <laughs> pre-sliced. Yes. Okay. Um, are we talking about pre-sliced watermelon? Yeah, right we are. Now? I mean, that's well. Listen, Bundy, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about how uh, Nazem Kadri is probably going to go to uh, to the, to the Islanders? Do you want to talk about that? No. Let, let me let me unpack this for a second. So, if we look at the team, and and I'm going to try to be overly optimistic here because if I have to start you know, a season being down in the doldrums and like, you know, tanking for Bedard or whatever, like I'm, I might jump out the window. Now, granted, getting Bedard would be great, but like I, I cannot physically and mentally go through, you know, the next eight months or whatever saying this team sucks and Chuck Fletcher is going to like try to, you know, poke and prod and like maybe they'll be like a fringe playoff team. Like I don't want that. R- let me run through this really quick. Guys that we know will not be available to start the year. Joel Farabee, we think he'll be out through maybe Thanksgiving or so. Ryan Ellis might not play this year. Uh, Kevin Although Hayes I is will coming say, off. I will say three. this about Go Ryan ahead. Ellis, just kind of. Ooh, do we have an update? I won't call it an update per se, but I do know privately from some conversations that he has told the team that he does intend to, to play at some point. Whether, when he does that, intend. He okay. does intend to play. Okay. At some point this year, 
when okay. that when that so, is, I don't know, but he does intend to play. So we got Farabee is out, Ellis is out to start the year. Kevin Hayes had what three core muscle surgeries within like a fifteen month window. We think he'll be back for the start of the season. Sean Couturier is coming off of a uh, legitimate injury. Will likely be ready at some point early. Is there anybody else of note on the, you know, say the star front that isn't going to be ready for camp? I think other than that, the team is like relatively healthy. We're not talking about the prospects like Bobby Brink's now out. Uh, we've, we've got kind of covered that in the past. If, if the idea here is, okay, two of your better players, arguably your number one defenseman, and one of your best young forwards is out, it does create the possibility of a bunch of younger guys stepping in and trying to fill roles and perhaps trying to catch the eye of their new head coach. Can I interest you guys in the idea that that might end up being better if you're looking for wins early in the season? That a bunch of low-ego young players trying to impress the coach that's going to be here for the next three years, um, if they buy in and they play the system and they play a team style, and you don't have guys that you could typically fall back on. You don't have a Claude Giroux to produce the points. You don't necessarily have like a, a number one wing that can you know pop thirty goals. Is is there a scenario here where going into a season like this, the team ends up being better because they have to play for one another rather than relying on a couple of big point producers? I think it's a lower scoring game for the Flyers, and when it's a lower-scoring game, they have a chance to win. That's kind of how what, what Tortorella did with Columbus, right, Bundy? I mean, it was a team that they didn't have a lot of firepower on offense. I mean, yeah, he did have a Panarin, and he did, had, did, did have Atkinson at, you know, at his best when he was there. Um, they had a couple players. But for the most part, it was all about playing a, a defense-first style being an opportunistic offensive team and relying on defense and goaltending to win. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot more lower scoring games. And if they're, if the, if the flyers can keep the, you know, keep the score low and, and, and keep it being where they're, they're a decent puck possession team. I mean, nobody expects them to be, you know, top of the charts, but at least, you know, slightly better than 50%. Then I think, yeah, there's a real possibility, Russ, that you're right, that, that they could, you know, have that younger player buy in and, and do well early in the year. But like Bundy said earlier, that can only carry you so far. You, you can only, you know, heart and soul can only get you so far. Eventually, talent that's playing hard is going to win out, right? If the other team's matching your, your, your effort and they're a more talented team, they're going to win. The only way it doesn't is if they don't match your effort. You can try and out-effort teams all you want, and it might work sometimes, but it's not going to work over the course of an 82-game season where you're constantly out-efforting the other team and, and have that be a victory, right? So, so Bundy, like, what do you say the shelf life is? Like, let's just say conceptually, no other major injuries. Farabee and Ellis are out. Bunch of young guys are trying to step up, buying totally into Tortorella's system, going balls to the walls, giving everything they've got. How long can that realistically last? 20 games. And that'll be a fast 20 games. That's about a month and a half, you know, a month and a little less than two months. 
And you know you're gonna get you're gonna get yourself to Thanksgiving. You know, like even even in Columbus that year that they uh, they they came in with torts. And again, like this is kind of something. But you know, I look at that roster now, Anthony. They had they had some better players than the Flyers did. Like even when he was in there, like they had Dubois uh, before he got traded to Winnipeg. They had uh, you know Wawrenski. Um, I'm just thinking of other guys. They but had some, pro- but, but Wawrenski was a project for him. He was in boot, but they had like big guys like Boone Jenner. Like I know he he you know he yeah. came in, he played well for a while. Atkinson was there, played well, got a lot out of him, um, and they ended up where they, if I'm not mistaken, with that talent and and lack thereof, I think they were an eight seed one year playing number one Tampa and swept them right in what was, ended up being Tampa's kind of life lesson to their organization. Like hey, you got to lose real bad before you you, you go on and win. Um, I, I just don't think he has the horses, but realistically, if you can keep guys that long, 20 games, you know, make things interesting by Thanksgiving. The problem is we haven't factored in injuries. We don't know who's gonna what, what's going to happen here. The, the team is not yep. deep. Um, and, again, there's going to be some guys after a certain amount of time, um, they're going to hate him, whether you want to believe it or not. I mean, just go read Twitter from other guys that played for him, right? He's not like a guy you're going to – there's some guys be like, yeah, I really like Torts. And then there's other guys like, oh, my God, forget about it. Like, he's a nightmare to play for. He gets up in your grill. He doesn't stop the whole year. He wears you down. So, yeah, he will. there will be guys like that where they're going to come in in the morning like, oh, fuck, you know what? I got to listen to this guy again, and here we go again. And then that negativity creeps. I'm telling you, I've seen it happen. It happens to almost every sure. player at some point with a coach. So how long that lasts? Like Anthony said, they're going to be playing almost everybody they play has more talent than they do. How hard they play will keep them in games, but ultimately when talent realizes you can't take them for granted because Torch is going to have to make sure they're working really hard, that's when the wheels will fall off because I think at the beginning they actually will outwork teams to start. So then let me, let me make this pitch. If you're going to have to rely on younger guys, right, and, and like a big part of this, anytime you build a successful team in this league, there has to be top-end talent. We know that. That top-end talent is going to take up a, a large chunk of your cap. And then you've got to fill in the, the cracks with either young up-and-coming players or guys who fit their role, guys who don't cost a lot. So, all right, let's say conceptually you've got to go into the season. And like, let's say Tortorella's mindset is I have to identify seven guys on this team, seven of the younger players that are going to be ride-or-die guys for the next three years. These are going to be the guys that we're going to develop. These are the guys that we're going to continue to, to work with to, you know, uh, lean on more in all situations. And, like, these are the guys. Isn't it better if you're a team, uh, you get to go into this with no expectations, and you're Tortorella, you get to weed out the guys who, to your point, say, damn, this guy sucks to play for. He's always up in your grill. Like, from my vantage point, I think, well, good, I don't want those guys. You shouldn't want those guys. You shouldn't want your young players to feel entitled and feel like they need to be babied. Like, you should want guys who want to prove their worth at this level. So, like, in a way, could it be a good thing that there are no expectations for this team and that, like, you might actually figure out, hey, there are seven good guys on this team. There are seven good young players with their heads on straight that we can kind of build around. And, like, in the next two or three years, you make trades, you make free agent signings, and you say, you know what, we've got a solid backbone of guys we've developed and guys that we've decided to roll with. Like, if that's the only thing you get out of the season, is that a bad thing? The problem is for me, and no. I think Anthony's going to agree with me, we don't, we don't have a Nolan Patrick that was supposed to shine right at the top of the draft. Mm-hmm. That's where those guys, those young guys like that you're talking about, like something we could build around, you find those guys at the high end of the draft, and the Flyers just don't have one. 
You know, I mean, you could say Bobby Brinker. Oh, we got, you know, Bobby Brinker. Yeah, he's a nice college player. I don't know what his – I hope he has a great career and proves, you know, everybody right that he's going to be, you know, decent NHLer. But, again, that's not a guy that's going to Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or even Mitch Marner you into a playoff spot where everybody else can revolve around that young piece of talent. So, I don't – I don't – yeah, I mean, can you find guys? Like, maybe Morgan Frost is a guy, right, Anthony, that, that's somebody that continues developing. Maybe he shines like he did in junior. But that's going to take some time to find. I just don't think there's seven of them here. That's a lot. Well, we know about just, it already. Just to clarify, I don't mean seven guys that are going to be like your top, anywhere near your top. I'm saying like seven guys that I say, you know what? This guy could be a middle sixer. This guy can be a second pair defenseman maybe. Like those kind of guys. I don't think that they have anybody right now in the pipeline who can be that top line, you know, legit scoring winger. I don't think they have a guy who's going to, you know, push Ivan Provorov on the top pair. I just mean like more of those fill in the cracks kind of guys. Well, the, I mean, the hope might, is I mean, that we, if, they're, if they're really bad, they will get a, a couple of top picks yeah, I mean, that will have that top you, end talent, and then you build around those. They're hoping Carter Gauthier turns into that. Sure. I mean, you draft the kid fifth overall, right? And and you're moving him to a new position that you think that will expo- exploit his his uh, uh, his talents <laughs> will will really they'll shine through. Um, and uh, and so I mean, they're, they're hoping that you have that. And, you know, there's still a lot of young players to be seen. Um, the one thing that I never criticize Chuck and, and Brent Flair about is I actually think that they draft better than most people give them credit for. So I think that there's some, pl- there's some players that are going to be coming here in the next couple of years. I just don't think that they're going to be here to, to see it happen, right? I just don't think that they – and so to answer your question, Russ, you know, Yes, let's say you find those seven guys. And, you know, is that a bad thing that we wrap up the year with that being the case? No, that's not a bad thing. What would be a bad thing would be, okay, let those guys, let who's in charge now continue to build the team from there. Sure. I I think you have to let somebody else come in and do it at this point. You mean in the front office, just to be clear? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to be clear because there was a lot of of they's there. So, okay. Um, well, it's because it is it is a they. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the problem with the Flyers. It's not a one man operation. It's to, to me, there's too many fingers in the pot. We went from having it be Ron Hextall alone, not listening to anybody, doing everything by himself, which was not a good thing, <laughs> to a situation where Chuck Fletcher needs twelve people to sign off on every decision that he makes. You know, and it's it, a team it, there needs to be a middle ground. Well, yeah, there needs to be a middle ground. I don't remember if I said this on the show. I talked. You got the former, the former ticket guys for the Flyers make decisions now. You know, you guys used to ask, like, "Hey, I need two tickets to the game tonight." They're decision makers over there now. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, uh, I need a pair of tickets to the Canadians game tonight on the road. Hold on a minute, I'm just making some hockey decisions. I'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> um, I I don't remember if I said this on the show or not, but. Uh, around the time that the DeBrinket sweepstakes were happening, I talked to somebody uh, from another organization just about conceptually, like, have the Flyers done due diligence? Have they talked, uh, you know, like, what, is it, what does it feel like in terms of negotiating? And this person from another team said, there are too many cooks in the kitchen. You don't actually know who you're communicating with. Like, you don't know who's actually going to be the one – Fletcher pulls the trigger on it, but like, is he really the one who's made the determination on value, whether it's draft picks? Anthony, you talked about this, I think, on the last episode. Yeah, you know, that idea of 
you know, throwing Ian Anderson out there as the guy who was the one who, you know, came up with the evaluation of, you know, just how valuable a pick is. And I think that ultimately, you know, you have to find a healthy in-between. You Like, I think it's hard to, like, let's say it, if, if you're going to shit on Hextall because he ha- was a unilateral decision maker, and then you step back and you say, you know what, uh, he needed to rely on more people. He needed to talk to more people. But then you have Chuck Fletcher, and then you kind of shit on the idea that he collaborates with other people. There has to be a healthy in-between. There has to be. And one has to think that, like, in a collaborative environment, but also one that's run by somebody who can ultimately build a team to win a cup, you have to be in the middle of that. Um, Bundy, I want to take a look at this with you. Um, You know, you were talking about Thanksgiving as being maybe the cutoff or the first 20 games. I want to go through this with you. Uh, We're going to do a little thought exercise here on the show. Um, Obviously, as you mentioned, you don't know what injuries are going to happen. You don't have no idea what's going to happen between now and the start of the season. Is it possible the Flyers make a trade? Conceptually, sure. Based on what we know they have, based on what the team uh, looks like it will be, here are the first 20 games. I want you to do a little little mental tally. Now, if you want to tell me, I can write this down. I can, I can keep track of points over here. We could do that. I have a colored pencil and everything. I'm ready to go. So you start the season at home against the Devils. Let's do the thought experiment. Win, lose, OT, OT, loss. Let's go with a win. A win. I'm going to go with a win. Okay, we're going to go with a win. Outright win. Outright win, okay. Uh, at home against the Canucks. That's an outright loss. You don't win two in a row. That's a loss. Okay. Uh, On the road against the Lightning. One and two. Okay. Regulation loss. Okay. Um, On the road against the Panthers. One and three. Oh, boy. On the road against the Predators. One and four. Actually, let's go one, three, and one. They're going to lose that one. One, three, and one through the first five. There's hope. So you're saying there's a chance. Um, at home against the Sharks. I'm going to go with an outright win. Outright win. Ooh, look at you. Okay. Um, hosting the Panthers. That's a loss again. Okay. Uh, outright regulation okay. loss. Um, hosting the Hurricanes. That's a loss okay. in regulation. On the road against the Rangers. That's a loss in overtime. Okay. On the road against Toronto. That's a win in overtime. A win? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Giving you a win against Toronto. You're going to keep these, right, Russ? I am. I have it right here. Uh, On the road against Claude Giroux's Ottawa Senators. That's a loss in regulation. Ottawa okay. wins that game. At home against the Blues. That's a loss. Regulation. Okay. Um, on the road against the Blue Jackets. That's a win in overtime. That's, That's a, win. a win. Okay. I'm gonna give them a win. Okay. Um, on or at home against? Oh wait, hold on. I'm sorry. At home against the Senators. That's a loss. It's a straight-up loss. Okay. Giroux's going to have a hat trick in that game, right, Bundy? Hush. Yeah, well, you know what? But I'm actually saying Ottawa's – see, even though you're reading them to me, I've got a quick fix in my head. 
that's Giroux's first game back. Ottawa's going to have their hair on fire yep. for him. So, okay. next game. Um, Hold on, Ed. Here we're home home against Dallas. That's a, that's a coin toss. So I'm going to give them a win because it's at home. Okay. I don't think that Dallas is on okay. the decline, too. At Columbus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go lost this time. I already had him with one okay. win against Columbus. This is a loss. At Boston. That's a loss. Okay. Um, at Montreal. That's a win. Home against Calgary. That's a loss. Okay. And on the road against Washington. That's another coin toss. Uh, let's give them the win. Okay. Let's give them the win in, in, uh, in, in overtime. So let me double check. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. All right, so the, through the first 20 games, you've given the Flyers uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 wins. You have given them 1, 2, 2 overtime losses. Thir- and uh, let me do the 11. math here. That's 11. 11. 11 regulation losses. So 11, 7, 11, and 2. That's and not, I'm going to, that's actually not that bad. All things considered, that's not that bad. And I'm going to run you through the same, the same exercise. I just want to see where your head's at. Okay. Uh, we're going to do the first 20 games. Don't so think got, it though. Just kind of spit it out. Go, Give yourself just like, like just react. Seconds. Just react. Home against the Devils. Win. Home against the Canucks. Loss. At Tampa. Loss. At Florida. Loss. At Nashville. Overtime loss. <laughs> don't say anything, Bundy. Don't don't Please, say anything. Shut up. Uh, uh, home against San Jose. Win. Home against Florida. Loss. Home against Carolina. Loss. On the road against the Rangers. Shootout loss. <laughs> Was he on listening? The against Toronto. On, on, on the road against Toronto. Loss. Um, on the road, Ottawa. Win. Home against St. Louis. Loss. On the road, Columbus. Uh, I think they play for Torts there. Torts going back to Columbus. They give them a win. Okay. Home against Ottawa. I like that's the Giroux game. I like Ottawa wins that one. Uh, home against Dallas. Win. On the road, Columbus. Uh, I think they'll lose this one, but I'll make it an overtime or a shootout, one of those. Okay. At Boston. Loss. At Montreal. Win. Home against Calgary. I'm actually going to give them a win there. I, I think Calgary's uh, okay. an interesting team this year. Yeah. I, and then get, yeah, on, on the road on the road against Washington. Loss. All right. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins. Three overtime loss. <laughs> seven, oh. ten, and three. Oh my gosh, seven, ten, and three. Bundy was seven, eleven, and two. Now here's here's the beauty of this. Um, so the people who watch on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, 
they're going to notice that there have been like a couple of times where like Bundy's dropped out, uh, Ant dropped out and switched over to his phone. So we've got like full on Sam Filippo here. Um, Ant dropped out. Ant dropped out while Bundy was doing his uh, predictions. Now, I didn't do a side-by-side. -side. What I'm going to request somebody, uh, preferably somebody who follows on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, uh, the, most rabid, or the, uh, the most rabid people are the ones who are in the uh, Twitter community. Remember, we have the Snow the Goalie Twitter community. You can request to be added into that. That's a great group of people. I'm sure somebody who's in that community will uh, do the side-by-side -side of Ant's picks and Bundy's picks. I'm pretty sure that through the first... Nine games, you guys had the exact same results. You differed on Toronto. I think that was the first one where there was a variation. I gave the Flyers a win there. And he gave, yeah. him, he gave them an Ottawa win, except we flipped. But Columbus, he had the same idea because he took the home and home and just gave them one win each way. It didn't matter. So, yeah. But I, I understood what he was doing there. So We're similar. We're almost the same. So here's the interesting thing. I, I'm not going to do this exercise. Here's the thing that's interesting about it. You know, we're, we're sitting here talking about how this team fundamentally flawed. Um, you know, should be a you know, bottom, you know, if we're being, if we're being honest, bottom three team in the mat, bottom six team in the conference, maybe worse, maybe they play for torts. It's, it's honestly kind of astounding here that when you look at this, I mean, sure, if, if you do what I think all three of us like to do, which is an overtime loss is a loss. So this is under 500. This is either a seven and 13 team. Uh, either way, it's a seven and 13 team. One of you had an extra overtime loss, but like realistically six games under 500 it, points aside that's not that bad like for how bad this team is on paper and how bad this team stacks up against you know the elite teams or even like the contending teams in the conference that honestly isn't as bad as i expected it to be from you two um the problem and this is where we come back to the thing from the start and i don't want to i don't want to belabor this point the thing that we said in the beginning a team can play for a coach and can play balls to the walls if you want to say it's 20 games, that's 20 games. The problem is what happens the week of Thanksgiving and beyond. If the wheels fall off at that point, if you start to regress, if you start kind of coming back to what your actual talent level is, then it's going to get a lot uglier. The one thing that can flip this is that Joel Farabee might be back around the time that we finished, you know, doing the predictions here. And if Ant's, you know, most updated thing on Ellis is correct, there's a chance that at some point Ellis comes back. We don't know if that'll be Thanksgiving, Christmas. Will he come back at all? We don't know. Conceptually, though, if you're 7, 10, and 3 or 7, 11, and 2, uh, that does not take you out of the running for a top pick in the draft. And at the same time, I don't think you can go into that if you're ownership and say, well, there are signs of life here with this team. If that pace were to hold through the rest of the year, you're in pretty decent shape. Uh, in terms of if you wanted to make a change in the front office. If the wheels were to fall off around Thanksgiving, one would probably assume that that would force a change. All right, I appreciate you guys doing the uh, thought exercise. I want to talk about one other thing. We alluded to this at the top of the show. There is one team right now in town that has a lot of excitement. Not the Eagles yet. There's, there's obviously excitement about Eagles season starting. But the Phillies have done something... Um, since firing Joe Girardi, uh, and that's win, and players on the team who had played um, pretty bad ball for a good chunk of the season have stepped it up since Bryce Harper went out. And it, it got me thinking, and we talked about this before the show, got me thinking about uh, a Flyers team in the past that Bundy played on that uh, played really well without Eric Lindros 
And then he returned to the lineup, and it kind of fell apart. So Bryce Harper is the reigning NL MVP. He might have arguably was on pace to be an MVP candidate again this season. If you are running the show with the Phillies, do you consider keeping Bryce Harper out? I know it's crazy. This isn't my take, by the way. I'm not going to say who, whose take this was. I think you have to throw Harper back in. Baseball is a more individualistic sport. He's going to DH. He's not going to mess up your chemistry on the field, whatever. But if it's you, and I'll start with Bundy, if it's, if it's you, you see how like Real Muto has played. You've seen how Hoskins has stepped up. Do you consider not bringing Harper back into the fold as soon as he's ready? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you have something, I, I can't speak for the regular season because I just think when you lose a guy like that over time, uh, especially 162 games, I don't want to go too long in this, but I think that, you know, that I, I think a guy like that's impact you can miss over a long period of time. But I will tell you one thing. If you're on a playoff run and you've got something going, you went into that run, leave the guy wherever the hell he is. I don't care what talent he is. I mean, I, in 2000, there's not many guys that are vocal. I, I really believe we were going to win the Stanley Cup. We had a 3-1 lead in the Devils. We just had to get through that series. I think most of us felt optimistic. When the rumblings of Eric were that he was decided he wanted to come back and try to be a, a, a member of the team, the wheels came off our best players. Uh, yeah, he's the most talented guy of the bunch, but there was something about that group that we were pushing through in spite of Eric, in spite of him not being there, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't know the personality. Bryce Harper, by all intents, seems like a well-liked guy on his on his baseball team. That may not have always been the case with other guys, but uh, I, I will say this: um, there, they may or may not be a better team without him. I don't know long term because he's going to be here a long time. But the year he left the Washington Nationals, um, they somehow won the World Series. And I know had Juan Soto came in and. Um, and guys really stepped up. Strasburg was incredible, right, Anthony? Like, finally, he had he had become that number one pick overall and that dynamic. And then it Scherzer was incredible, too. So I don't want to say it, but sometimes you can rely on a star player so much and, and you don't even realize in your own head you're doing it, where it takes that one little bit of edge off of what your game was that was making your team successful without that star player. So I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. The Phillies are playing like this at the end of September. Um I'll tell you one thing. I would have the balls as a manager to say, you know what? I know we got the DH, which is different now in the National League, so that helps, as you said. But I would have no problem rolling with the team that I felt was was the winning formula and, and leave the superstar on the bench. If they'd have left the superstar in the press box in 2000, we would have had a we would have had a Stanley Cup here. I believe that because everybody was marching in the same direction, whether it was in spite of Eric. Whether it's because guys didn't want him around or whether we want to prove that we were better, we were just as good without him. We clearly were right there. And when he came back, for whatever reason, the wheels came off. And that's a harsh reality. Anthony fell asleep. No, I did not fall asleep. Ant was <laughs> long COVID. Ant, what are you? That's the last story I share on here. So, Ant, you know, you, you and uh, I listened to the whole Big thing. Bob. I can repeat everything Bunny just said. I know, no, I know. No. So, Ant, Big Bet Bob. And you do uh, crossed up, and you guys have been pretty vocal. Um, you've been down in the clubhouse. You've been talking to players, other other writers. Uh, you are also featured in that great video of uh, Jim Salisbury and uh, Nick Castellanos going at it. Um, where do you stand? So Bundy says, leave Harper on the bench. Where do you stand? I, I would I would be more 
inclined to side with Bundy on this if we were already in the playoffs and this was happening. And the debate was, do we bring him back? And where do we put him in the lineup? And how does it fit? I think the Phillies are at a point where there's nothing guaranteed yet about the playoffs, no matter how well they're playing. And while bringing a player like Harper back in could just could be just as equally upsetting the apple cart as it could be benefiting the lineup. Um, I think you still have to in the regular season. You just have to. Um, and the argument that I made was that San Diego Padres, you know, they went out and made all the big trades. They got Juan Soto and, and, uh, and Josh Bell and, um, and Brandon Drury and, and Josh Hader. And, you know, they were, the, they were the champions of the deadline and then proceeded to come out of the deadline losing five of six went 26 yep. consecutive innings without allowing without scoring a run. The offense was terrible. They were hitting below 200 as a group. And it makes you look at it and say, yeah, you added these great players. But how long does it take for that chemistry to kind of come together? And will it come together in time this season? <laughs> Ross, you're a best, best, big basketball fan, right? Big basketball guy, yeah. Big basketball guy. And, and I know Harden was not the player that, the, that everybody kind of was hoping he was going to be. There was a there was a real, um, you know, how are we going to meld this together? How is this going to work with this group? Period for the Sixers that never really materialized itself, and it was part of the reason mm-hmm. why they were knocked out of the playoffs. So it, these things happen when you when you bring in star quality like, and it's not a knock on Bryce Harper by any stretch of the imagination. Guy's no. an MVP. Everybody wants him to be part of this, right? I mean, there's nobody sitting there saying. We don't want to bring Bryce Harper back. Oh, no, no. Um, so it, it's a real conundrum. I, but I think that with the Phillies still pursuing a playoff spot and it only being August, I think you have to bring him back. But if it were October and they were already in the playoffs and having some success and maybe you're getting into the NLCS, it's like, should we bring Harper back now? Then I'm, then I'm more on Bundy's side. I'm like, I don't, I don't touch what's working, you know, what's working. I don't, you know, sure. let keep it going, keep it as is. Um, yeah, obviously, there's also a different dynamic. Would would Harper's teammates embrace him coming back? I think they would in that instance. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I can say about that clubhouse is it's very, very tight knit. They all really like each other a lot. There's not a lot of ego in there, um, and I, I'm pretty sure that the 2000 Flyers. We're like that minus kind of like kind of like two thousand flyers without without Eric. Last thing for this week, we got two new five star reviews. They warm Bundy's heart. They make Anthony smile, and I'm happy to read them. We've got two. Uh, first one is from Ray Toll, which came uh, about two weeks ago. Thanks for not being like that other Flyers podcast. Five stars. Good day, fellow hockey people. I've been listening to this pod for about a year now, and I really enjoy the insight, banter, etc. about the worst-run hockey team in the world, not just the NHL. I do also listen to that other podcast that talks about the Flyers, you know, the high and mighty preachy one, and I do enjoy some aspects of that show too, but sometimes when certain people on that show open their mouths, my ears begin to bleed and I cringe like Michael Scott in that one office meme. It's not just the screechy voice, it's also the word salads that are sometimes constructed and endowed upon the world. So thank you for not being like that. Ant, Russ, and Bundy are a good trio with inside knowledge of what happens behind the scenes in the Flyers' circus tent. Uh, I mean, front office. <clears throat> anyway, if you are a hockey fan, I recommend listening. You won't regret it. 
So big thank you to uh, Rachel. And then let's go to the last one here. LCD24, five stars, great podcast. It is refreshing to have a podcast that talks about Flyers hockey, but also doesn't insult you if you have a different opinion on how the team should be assembled or why you like a player, good or bad. That's why I left Broad Street Hockey and their sanctimonious group of writers and fans. You guys have a lot of fun telling it like it is and a passion for the Flyers. It's enjoyable to watch and listen. Plus, having Bundy on is great. Nice to have players' eye on things, and his passion for the team is undeniable. Keep up the good work in this horrendous time of our Flyers fandom. You know what? I would say, Bundy, I think we kept it pretty positive today. I do. You know, seven, what were you? Seven, Dude, I want to you, be, you were 7 11 and 2, right? Look at that. That's yeah, not bad. I want to come on and be positive every week. The only, I mean, we really do. We don't want to come on and call this thing a dumpster fire. But if you're going to sit here and you're going to present a dumpster fire to us, we're going to point it out. We're going to keep pointing it out. Okay. Um, you know, I want I want to come on. I hope, you know, what, I, I and I mean this. I want to come on at Thanksgiving and be 11-7-1. I want to have something good to talk about, you know, or 11-7-2, whatever yep. the number was we had. But, yep. you know, again, it, it's not been a lot. People are like, well, you guys are, or some people say you guys are negative. No, we're not. The, the negativity's already been spelt out all over the wall for us. We're just kind of shining a light on it. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, do your job well. Do your job accordingly. Uh, no athlete in this town gets a free pass. When I played like shit, I got booed. You know, when the team doesn't show up and the whole team plays like crap, 6,000 people show up to the building now. Yeah. It, Welcome to the new and you got a, go Flyers. And you got a see great from, from me. You the <laughs> it is My always- goal is to see go Flyers at the end of every show from here on in. Listen, I, I always say this. When when people and it's always on Twitter, but like when when people say that like we're too negative about the team, my counter has been for months now. Tell me something good the Flyers have done. Give me give me a bit of good news. And that also comes from like people within the organization who will like, you know, text us and say like why is it so negative? I always say give me something good. Give me something good. And like there have been times where the Flyers have worked with like youth groups in the area and they've like worked on expanding the game and they've worked with Snyder Hockey. And I think it's all great. And, like, I am happy to tout that stuff because I think that's great for growing the game. I think it's great outreach for uh, youth in the area who want to learn to play hockey and want something exciting to do. You're growing the game. I will happily talk about that 100% each and every day. I don't, like, scour all of the, the things on the Flyers' site to proactively look for those things they're doing. But anybody who wants to shoot them over my way will happily talk about it on the show. The team itself, not well built. Could be well coached. Maybe these guys surprise us. We don't know. We're, we're quite a bit out. Um, hey, Kadri's still out there. Probably going to go to the Islanders. Um, maybe Ch- <laughs> I can't. You know, uh, I was going to say maybe Chuck trades JVR, um, moves a couple of other deals, and uh, Kadri comes here on like a, an overinflated contract, uh, as has kind of been a, a trend in recent years here. But I don't think that'll happen. So um, the Flyers are still, by the way, $2.5 million over the cap. Um, that's going to be fun. Great. So that maybe that was a little bit negative. Uh, thanks for listening this week. We will be back, uh, hopefully next week. I think that's going to be the plan is to, to come back to weekly. Um, and, uh, if we're not, feel free to tweet at us at snow, the goalie, uh, send us an email, snow, the goalie at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook or, um, Instagram on Instagram. We're at snow, the goalie on Facebook, facebook.com slash snow, the goalie. You can watch the full episode over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, which is now youtube.com. If you do slash Crossing Broad, that'll work, or Crossing Broad Sports, I believe is the other one. Uh, you'll find the whole playlist. 
All of those links are in the description of the episode on any podcast platform you listen to. Remember, you can talk to any smart device, whether it's uh, an Apple device talking to Siri, if it's a, an Android device talking to Google, an Amazon device talking to Alexa, or some other random like knockoff you found on Amazon that has a smart assistant. You can ask them to play the, la the latest episode of Snow the Goalie Flyers podcast. Boom, right there for you. So uh, follow these guys on Twitter. Their links are also in the description. You find Ant on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, Bundy at Cetarian6. I'm on Twitter at JoyOnBroad. We'll be back next week to talk about, maybe, some new developments in Flyers land. And if not, maybe we'll be talking about the Phillies again. I don't know. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. I'm going to go. Hey, guys, let's go grab a couple power bars. <laughs>